Going back to the sorts of words that women in business are often described as, I am always described among family and friends as the tough one. So in a way, there's never really been a limit to how much will be asked of me, because ultimately I'll always do it if it's in the best interests of the brand. So when the goings get tough, you know, I, I will step up. You know, I now have a team of 20 other people that we support and they all have their own individual needs. And I think I've learned perhaps in the last two years that I have to protect my own mental health and well-being before trying to protect, well, not before, but at least alongside <laughs> trying to protect all of theirs at the same time. And that's the voice of Anna Brightman, co-founder of a very interesting disruptive beauty brand called UpCircle. And this is the Liz Earle Wellbeing Show, the podcast helping us all to have a better second half. I'm Liz Earle, and this is going to be a very special episode of the podcast in celebration of International Women's Day on the 8th of March. And it's been interesting, actually, to think back over my own journey in the beauty business, which, although I'm no longer connected to, I was obviously very much part of for many, many years as a female founder and how that changed. I remember when Kim, my co-founder, and I first started and we went to see all kinds of suppliers who were so dismissive of these two young women. And it was almost as if we were sort of being patted on the head and being told, well, you know, why don't you run away and play shops, little girls, you know, and leave the, the beauty industry to the experts? Well, of course all that changed when we managed to build such a big business together and it's also interesting to see how actually the whole beauty and the wellness industry has changed itself over the last 30 years or so and in particular I'm thinking about care for menopause, menopause at work. I feel very guilty actually looking back. I remember there was a woman in our team in her late 40s, early 50s who was clearly struggling And we didn't really pay any attention to it at all. We just didn't understand. And, you know, we allowed her things like a fan on her desk and a little bit more time in the ladies to go and sort of mop herself down. And I just wish that I could rewind the clock, actually, and kind of put a really supportive arm around her and give her more resources and access to help. But hopefully... That is now changing with menopause in the workplace. So I'm really keen not only today to talk about International Women's Day in relation to women brand founders, but also looking at the impact that physical and hormonal changes have in the workplace and how we can look after our own well-being as well as that of our colleagues. And to help me explore all of this are two fantastic women who have founded their own brilliant beauty brands. Well, Marcia Kilgore is a serial entrepreneur founding Bliss Spa in the early 90s, then Soap and Glory, then Fit Flop in the noughties and more. More recently, of course, Beauty Pie, a direct-to-consumer, membership-based luxury beauty products brand. And we also have with us today Anna Brightman, who co-founded the Zero Waste skincare company called UpCircle in 2016. Now, they offer vegan and cruelty-free products made with upcycle ingredients. Very interesting. You're going to love this chat. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves 
without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Marcia and Anna, thank you both so much for being with me today. What a treat. You are very welcome here. Now, Marcia, we both founded beauty businesses in the early 90s or thereabouts. And it was quite a different landscape, I think, for for women in business. You know, I found it quite hard, actually, to be taken seriously as a young woman, especially in the beauty world. What was your experience at that time? Oh, that's a great question, Liz. Thank you. Um, I had actually started a very small salon called Let's Face It, which rolled into a larger spa called Bliss. Uh, and I think it was really my own private Idaho in terms of being in, in business. Um, people came to me for treatments and then came to the people that I had trained for treatments. And we didn't really dovetail into, I guess, the typical beauty industry because at that point we weren't selling products of any kind or or really trying to um, to expand outside of our own horizons within a, a room inside a building where we gave treatments. I'd say it was probably a very nice way to enter the business world um, as a as a novice <laughs> yeah. because you really didn't have to sell anything to anybody mm-hmm. um, except for the client who was coming in and lying down on your table. And they were usually you know, thrilled and not necessarily uh, doggy dog. Let's just yeah. um, put it that way. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Anna, you founded Up Circle in 2016. So a good two decades after Marcia and me started out. You know, what was your experience? Because you did jump straight in, didn't you, into that kind of dog eat dog, let's sell some product world. How did you cope with that? Did you feel confident, you know, in your abilities and how the industry would respond to you? Gosh, uh, well, confidence is an interesting thing, isn't it? Some days I feel very, very confident in myself, my business, our products, what we're doing, what we've achieved. Other days, uh, quite the opposite. I think our story was quite a unique one in that when I started out, I didn't necessarily have beauty industry specific background. I mean, I was only 22 as well, so I didn't have much background generally. Youngster. <laughs> yeah, but I was very, very confident in our concept and in our idea and in our point of difference. So there were, of course, elements of thinking, you know, who am I to be doing this? But then also elements of me thinking, well, no one else has done this before. And I think that what we're doing is truly different and truly cool. So yeah, certain areas where I was incredibly confident and other areas where where not at all. And sometimes those shift. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess always willing to learn along the way, which I think we've been very good at. And, you know, the confidence of youth, too. I think there's a great sort of, you know, a great asset in that, in that perhaps, you know, what you don't know doesn't always yeah. scare you. You know, when you're older, you kind of think, oh, my goodness, I can't because. Whereas, you know, when you're young, you think, yeah, of course we can. Mm. And, you know, for me, you know, I founded another of my own businesses in Lizard Wellbeing so many years later. And it has been a, a different journey. And Marcia, you founded a number of fantastically successful businesses since the early days of Bliss Spa. Have you noticed things 
differently now in the perhaps the way that you're treated or the experience of being in business now you know decades on particularly in the way that women are treated I think women as founders you know there are more of us do you think it's got better or worse? Um, Liz that's another great question I think in you know from certain cohorts of of the um, the business world will certainly have more respect for me now but then that will blend with uh, certain cohorts of employees who don't realize that they should necessarily listen to someone who has experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and, and it's great actually to bring sort of that youthful naivety into, um, into the business with you. You want to have people of all ages. And of course, um, ensuring that you've got that breadth of thinking gives you greater power. Um, but it is almost that your, um, your biggest, the people that you have to convince now are not always people like investors. Um, and it's not always even people who are your target customers. Sometimes it can be your own team members who may not have been there with you before a million times. So haven't experienced it and are very, um, very modern in their approach to hierarchy. Right. So That's a very think- diplomatic <laughs> way of putting it. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> I shall use Thank that. You. Yeah, Thank you. you have a very modern yeah, not, approach yeah, so, to my hierarchy. Yeah, it's a modern <laughs> approach to hierarchy within business. So, <laughs> so it may not matter that you're telling them that you have 30 years of experience mm-hmm. doing X, Y, and Z, and you've seen the same pattern over and over again. They want to be their own boss. So, mm. um, you know, I think as the world changes and as the zeitgeist changes, that we have to just be willing as uh, you know professionals and as entrepreneurs to run at that change rather than trying to... Uh, reject it or work around it because it's just always going to happen. I think interesting, you know, you, you talk about how to interact with a team as well as customers and, you know, other people like investors. And I've noticed that female founded businesses and female founders, the descriptives are often different. So, for example, women can be described maybe as being bossy or dogmatic or difficult even, whereas for men, the adjectives seem to be things like assertive and single minded and, and forthright. And do you find that in your world? I mean, for example, Beauty Pie is massively disruptive. And, you know, looking at the other beauty brands, for example, you're clearly stepping on their toes and their territory. What's been the reaction there? And, you know, have you had any labels sort of thrown at you? Oh, it's really interesting. Beauty Pie, in fact, I think because we are out there and we're telling the truth, there isn't really anything that anyone can say. Um, so if, if another beauty brand wanted to go head to head and say that's not true, we would obviously invite them to dissect their pricing structure, in which point you would find that we're right. <laughs> and so we haven't seen much of a backlash simply because I think nobody would um, want to open that Pandora's box for themselves or I guess can of worms. Um, we have had a pretty smooth a smooth path in terms of communicating to customers what the reality of the beauty industry is, um, and especially in luxury beauty, what the egregious markup structure is. And we haven't had so many brands come to us and say, hey, we don't do that because, because if you are distributing through retail, you know, the, the reality is that you have to have that kind of markup. And it's not really even brands' faults. It's just the way that the structure works. So um, I think it's interesting as well that you often have women referred to back to your point of bossy or you know that all of that or controlling right you'll have women referred to as brave and I don't think you ever hear men referred to as brave (laughs) it's it's just kind of what's so brave about this yes so yeah yeah um so that's interesting too it's 
I suppose, looks flattering on the surface, but then it does certainly striate the population between you know, men and women. And so I find that interesting as well. Yeah. We'll talk in a moment to Anna about her disruption. But for those listening who have perhaps been living under a large stone and aren't aware of the model of beauty pie, do you want to just describe it and, you know, explain how you became so disruptive in this industry? So I've been in the industry for, I guess, probably the same period of time that you have. Um, I started in the early 90s giving facials and then opened a facial studio and then opened a spa and we expanded globally. What I learned along the way um, was that when you sell a product, the markup from the product leaving the manufacturer to being sold at a retailer is often 12 times the actual price that it is leaving the manufacturer. So if something leaves a manufacturer costing five pounds, it will retail for no less than 60. And that is the structure of the business because the retailer will take at least 50%. Of course, you take VAT out, so it would actually be more than 60 in that particular um, instance. Um, And then you have to pay your, there's so many different costs along the way between marketing and shop fits and commission to salespeople and middlemen and distribution costs and, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so I was forced at one point um, in the airport in Hong Kong on my way to do a trip through Asia to buy moisturizer. And this was after I had started a few brands and hadn't had to buy my own moisturizer for years because, of course, I always had samples from different labs that we were working with. And and we met all of the best labs, all the best cosmetic labs and the skincare labs and everyone around the world in that long period of time when I was heading up different brands. I'd never really had to shop. And I went to the shelf inside this retailer in Hong Kong and really the cheapest moisturizer in a duty-free shop there was 150 American dollars. And I was so shocked. <laughs> and I thought, wait a second. Hold on a minute. Yeah. So, and then I looked at the <laughs> I know ingredient what this list. Costs. Yes, yeah. I didn't know what it cost. And I thought, I'm not buying this. And then I thought, why should anybody be buying this? It's the archaic way of selling beauty is adding on all of those different layers. And I I just thought, I love the beauty industry so much. I love making products that are great and really change people's skin and making people feel happy and confident. And I want to do it, but I don't want to, I don't want to do it the old way anymore. So I thought there's got to be enough people like me out there who buy a decent amount of skincare, makeup, candles, hair care, body care, gifts, et cetera, et cetera, supplements, who might want to be able to access them for cheaper. And if we could get them straight from the labs that make them without all of those additional retail layers, we could bring the very best from the very best labs all over the world into warehouses, direct to members for a fraction of what they would normally pay at retail. And that's how the idea for Beauty Pie was born. The idea being get a bigger piece of the Beauty Pie. So that that was it. And it's been six and a half years and we are, you know, just loving it. It's so brilliant to be able to thrill people and, and give them this guilt-free indulgence every time they order. Very disruptive and very successful. And Anna, to your story, you've had quite a different journey, but in a way you've been also a game changer. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you were inspired? Marcia talks about going shopping in duty-free. What was your kind of light bulb moment to start Up Circle? So for us, it started with the desire to find a new use for coffee grounds that are disposed of by coffee shops and restaurants and places like that. I had a 
short <laughs> career as a retail area manager working for a, a leading supermarket managing multiple stores, which uh, showed me the devastating amount of waste that's produced um, by, by shops. And my brother had a background in finance and he's who I co-founded UpCircle with. And one day just asked a, a barista in a coffee shop what happened to the coffee that they make with each cup and was shocked uh, to find out how much is actually disposed of at landfill. So we both decided wow. that we wanted to form a business that had a purpose beyond profit, something with a positive mission to sort of, you know, leave the world better than we found it and uh, really just kind of try to make a positive difference. And I knew of the benefits of coffee and skincare. And so we decided, well, why don't we start taking these byproduct ingredients from other industries and turning them into skincare products instead. And that all started out with coffee. And then over the last six mm -hmm. and a half years, similar uh, brand storyline to, to Marcia, we have diversified that upcycled ingredient portfolio that we now work with over 20 different ingredients that we intercept from completely different industries at the point at which those industries would have discarded them. And then we reprocess them for use in skincare. So as the brand name implies, UpCircle, uh, our whole ethos is on circularity in every way. So that's through very innovative use of byproduct ingredients, uh, but also through packaging as well. So we've got one of the, uh, well, an industry leading packaging return scheme where customers can send back their empty glassware to us. We sterilize and refill their exact same packaging and send it back to them. And we offer that at 20% cheaper than the standard retail prices. So it's um, both circular packaging and circular ingredients, which Again, in those early days when I was young mm -hmm. and naive, uh, going to get mentorship and investment, things like that, uh, we, we were laughed out the room over and over again for it being a ridiculous concept in such a shallow industry that cares only about, you know, aesthetics and beauty and cleanness and all the rest of it. And, and one that, according to people who'd been in the industry an awful lot longer than I have, uh, an industry that was in no way ready for a concept like ours. But... I think our success over the last six and a half years, uh, I mean, we are a small team, but we're sold in over 45 countries now. Uh, we're the best seller selling every 90 seconds. So I think that we've proven, and we've had to prove it the hard way because no one believed us, <laughs> no one trusted us, but we've proven that actually young consumers or all consumers are ready for something like this and are looking for something different and something less dated and traditional. I think that's the way that we've shaken things up really by proving that if we can take a circular concept in the beauty industry, then gosh, there's not really any excuse in any other industry not to not to take the same approach. I'm interested that you have a number of different ingredients now that you are recycling, if you like, or repurposing. What kinds of things are you are you using and how are you using them? You know, potentially this is something that I guess other brands could be doing too. Mm, yeah, and we really encourage other brands to kind of join the mission, to be honest, because um, when we started out, we felt like we were the only people doing it. And it was logistically and in terms of the processes behind the scenes, really tough. <laughs> so coffee was the first one. And it's by far the most complicated ingredient that we work with. You know, we go every single day collecting coffee grounds from a large portfolio of independent coffee shops, processing that coffee to make it appropriate for use in skincare ourselves in-house before shipping off to our manufacturers. But now there are full ingredient suppliers focused solely on upcycled ingredients who do all of that legwork really? for you that have the certifications already in place. And so 
the, yeah, again, it, it's much easier to do that now. But the ingredients come in many different forms. So you've got physical ingredients that have a texture. So coffee grounds or chai spices that we use in our soaps would be an example of that. Then we've got the powders. So we use powdered argan shells that are a byproduct of making argan oil. We use powdered olive stones that are a byproduct of making olive oil. Then we've got the waters. So these are residual fruit waters that are evaporated off fruit juice by the juicing industry who sell juice concentrates. Gosh. And then we've got yeah. extracts, which are essentially oils. Um, so, the, yeah, the, the, the different upcycled ingredients come in many different forms, whether it's the whole ingredient, uh, like rose petals, again, would be a good example of that, or they're processed in one way to turn them into powder, oil or water. You mentioned that your co-founder is your brother, Will, and with a nod to International Women's Day, and I really hope the answer to this question is no, um, but have you noticed that you're treated differently by suppliers or by banks, for example, if you go into meetings together? You know, I hope you're not the one that's, you know, given the coffee order and your brother has sat down to go through the cash flow. <laughs> oh, I would say that things have got a lot better. Uh, I would be lying if I said that I haven't noticed anything throughout the last you know, the entire journey. Uh, in person, also, things are generally much better. But we do often have situations where someone will call and maybe, I mean, for example, my brother's been on paternity leave for the last few weeks. Um, someone will call and I'll answer and they'll say, oh, who's in charge? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's me. I can help. And then they'll be like, oh, but is Will available? And I'm like, no, right. <laughs> he's not. But I am. I just you said. You got me. <laughs> yeah, so, it, you know, it, it does. it does still go on a little bit. And the other thing that, is a bit more dated is I, I, I manage, I run and I have a background in warehousing. It's my strength. I'm very good at it. Uh, my brother is absolutely hopeless at it. But in our early days, when we used to have our full office and work set up out of our warehouse and we were both based there, we would still have people come in, particularly drivers and stuff, who would insist that my brother would help as opposed to me. Right. And I'm like, no, he's, he's got nothing yeah. to do with this. He's not involved. He's, he doesn't know how to use a forklift or a pump truck or whatever. I do. <laughs> so let me do it. <laughs> but, you know, it, yeah. things are getting better, definitely. But I, I think, Good. unfortunately, I'd be lying if I said it was totally 100%. Marcia, do you think, thinking about women in business, that actually it's perhaps easier for women to succeed in the beauty industry because it's so heavily female focused? You know, I don't know about you, but I'm often asked, you know, well, what kind of um, discrimination have you experienced in your career? And I have to honestly say, well, not a huge amount because the women at the top are very often the business leaders yes. because the beauty industry is kind of skewed that way. Well, OK, there are two parts of this question. I just want to go back to the whole part about, you know, uh, what you were asking Anna in terms of meetings and do people look at her and, you know, then look at her brother. I remember it's, it's a, a great example. We used to have meetings with, of course, you know, mixed crews of people around a table and there were senior women and there were senior, senior men involved and lunch would come in, you know, generally from Deliveroo or something like that. And you'd have lunch. And of course the women would be the ones to go and get the plates and the forks and the knives mm -hmm. and the whatever. And then lunch would finish and the men would just sit there. <gasps> yes. Now, okay. every time, right? So at one point, I forbade every woman in the room from getting up and clearing because women would also then get up and take everybody's plates back to the kitchen as if sure. the men didn't know how to lift their plate off the table and take it to the kitchen. <laughs> so at one point, I just said, stop. It's not your turn. Gentlemen, it is your turn to pick up the plates and take them to the kitchen. And then they did. It was as if they didn't even know 
that they should. I don't know if it's training from when they're growing up where their moms do everything for them and they just leave it behind. And then second part of your question, Liz, was um, do you think it's easier for us to be in the beauty industry? And I would say a resounding yes. Uh, certainly, uh, there are so many areas of expertise that women have in our industry, whether it's in the service part of it or in the application of a certain product or just the general interest level in cosmetics and skincare and hair care because we use them so much and therefore we can really love them. And it gives us a, a way to really own something that perhaps naturally most men would not necessarily flow into as easily. So it probably is one of the reasons that so many female entrepreneurs are involved in the, in the beauty industry. Um, but I applaud Anna for going into warehousing and ops because that is, it is the other half, right? I mean, probably there are now five or six different areas of any business. You've got to have somebody who's that tech person. You've got to have somebody who's the growth person. You've got to have somebody who is the ops person and then the creative. And so it all, it all comes together as one big team. But certainly it is easier if you know and love your subject. As Steve Jobs once said, that's what gets you through the really hard days is the passion that you have for what you have to do every day. Sure, absolutely. And Anna, can I ask you about, you know, these labels that women tend to be given, you know, bossy, dogmatic, whatever. Is that something that you give thought to and how you represent yourself? Is it something that you've come across or, or make an active effort to counteract? Yes, absolutely. I think you have to think about all of these things very carefully. And because I ha have a sibling co-founder, we have to almost watch ourselves even more because it's very easy to slip into complete informality when the person sat next to you every single day at the other computer is, is your family member who you've known for every single day of your life. Uh, I think we used to fall perhaps more into stereotypes of me being the person that dealt with a lot of the HR concerns. But over time, that has become more levelly split. Uh, but also, to be completely honest, I have to perhaps walk on eggshells in some situations more than my brother has to because I have so many females in my team and I'm almost held mm. to a higher account uh, with regards to, like, I should know better sort of things. <laughs> um, I mean, I found it interesting yeah. last year talking about yeah. Uh, you know, the guys cleaning up the plates and things like that. Uh, the expectation on me always using the exact right or appropriate response is is higher uh, than, than my brother. So we, you know, we divide and conquer. Um, but depending on whatever situation comes at us, often I think we try to go at it together and, and not do too much of an obvious good cop, bad cop. But generally... I think it's it's tough as a as a female with a female team to have the right amount of sternness and and me providing feedback yes. is something that is met with more rebuttal than my brother providing feedback and that's something that we have to tackle that's together. That's so interesting. Um because you know yeah. it comes off as more short-tempered or mean i guess if it's me than it does with him and it, it's it's peppered with more kind of um yeah a lack of patience uh from my side which is it's it's, it's, it's a challenge um but i have to work on it with a greater sense of uh, <laughs> care for the minor details 
We'll talk a little bit about personality and about managing our own kind of work-life balance after the break. But before we go, I just want to ask you, Anna, I know that we talked about sustainability and you're actually a B Corp business with your closed loop production and your ingredient sourcing. For those who aren't familiar with that concept, what exactly is a B Corp business and why is it important for you? So B Corp, I feel like they are uh, growing in sort of fame over the last few years. They're a certification body which essentially look at what your operations as a business across many key areas, governance, workers, sustainability, things like this. And they have an extremely lengthy and complex questionnaire is the first part. And they will test you against all of these different categories in a very, very thorough way. And then you get a score off the back of that, which essentially measures your ethics broadly as a business. And then out of the many, many, many people that apply to become a B Corp, very few actually get B Corp status. So as consumers become more and more savvy uh, and more interested in the sorts of brands that they are buying from and the idea of kind of voting with your money, B Corp certification is one where you've got that level of trust that the brand broadly, not just the products, but the sort of philanthropy and the the wider practices of that brand are likely to be in alignment with your own values and ethics. So it's a tough and rigorous process that takes a long time, particularly for a brand like ours, which is circular, and therefore, uh, you know, tracing back ingredients, not just from our own uh, processes, but also the previous industry. We need to go all the way back to source. So for us, it probably took even longer than most brands, just under a year our process was uh, in order to get back that approved status. But it's 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 rigorous and it, it shows really that we're not just talking the talk, we're walking the walk by having B Corp certification as well. So it was definitely one that we wanted. As a young brand, of course, you have to kind of prioritise which certifications you're going to go for because they do take an awful lot of manpower to achieve the certifications and, of course, budget as well. But yeah, B Corp was top of our list. So we were really proud when we got that one at the end of last year. And Marcia, can I just touch on that with you? Because how are you finding the increasing awareness of eco concerns? Because there is this kind of uh, strange balance, isn't there? Particularly in luxury beauty. We want products that are beautifully packaged, that look fabulous, that feel great, that don't, you know, aren't too kind of hair shirt. You know, what what are you looking at? And do you pay much attention to the kind of ecological sustainability issues going on as well? Uh, absolutely, Liz. I mean, number one, we're always listening to customers and, and understanding what they want. When we started Beauty Pie, we started by trying to source packaging that was either already recycled or fully recyclable. As you probably know, in the beauty industry, there weren't that many choices. Even six years ago, it was quite difficult. And the suppliers of packaging have become better and better at offering more sustainable and eco-friendly packaging along the way. But there have been shortages. Even PCR, so post-consumer recycled plastic, is hard to get. So you may want to order your jars or your bottles in PCR, but it's not possible to even get the PCR that you need for a run of bottles or jars. So I think the whole industry is catching up with the demands that are now just uh, table stakes from brands when they're buying their packaging. But we do look at every combination of ingredients that we're putting together. Whatever clean is, we formulate clean. People (laughs) debate and discuss a lot of times, you know, what does clean even mean? Yeah. And so, of course, we formulate everything to be clean and then we choose 
packaging to align with the best options that are out there for the products that we can find. So they may not always be, you know, it's not always possible to find something that will dissolve into the earth, but also stay um, stable on a shelf for two years if that's necessary for a customer to be happy. And we're just doing our very best every time to find the optimal option while we know that there's always something that can be improved. Yeah, well, it's great that the industry and the suppliers are, are kind of working on that as well. Well, after the break, I really want to get your thoughts, both of you, on the importance of wellness, because that's kind of the world that we're working in, and in particular, the significance of ageing in the workplace. And of course, that will mean a little bit of chat on menopause as well. So don't go anywhere. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, as I said, we all work here in businesses that at their core are about looking after ourselves, you know, looking our best, feeling our best. So I'm interested to explore how that core value really translates into the way that you run your businesses. You know, Marcia, kicking off with you, how do you look after both yourself personally and your employees when it comes to well-being? Well, I have to give most credit to our incredible people team who is always doing the work in terms of communicating with the team members and, and finding out what they would most like to add to the program of offerings within the business to ensure that they are, 
I think it's mostly emotionally stimulated and intellectually stimulated and giving people the opportunity to have growth and balance. I think everybody loves to be part of a winning team, um, but people also like to be part of a collaborative team. So just making sure that the expectations for each member of the business, how they comport themselves within that day job time, and then um, also how we look at career progression is so important. We don't talk about it that much. I mean, there are so many businesses who focus more on on massage or snacks or, you know, but actually if you're winning, you know, if your business is doing really well, that is number one motivation for people to come in in the morning. If their opinions are respected and they're able to be part of the, of the conversation, that's exciting for them. So just figuring out, you know, treat people like they would want to be treated. I don't necessarily need to have 17 different types of snacks in my office to feel motivated to go. But there are so many other things that um, I think generally we've forgotten about that are those basics that we can get back to that make people feel really happy to be there. And how about yourself personally? And, you know, you are a high profile woman working in a beauty industry that's about appearance. How do you care for yourself? What are the sort of practices that you do both at home and at work to make sure you get that balance right? Well, I meditate every morning. I try and make sure that I go for a walk or a run or do some kind of exercise every day for at least half an hour because that really helps me burn off any kind of steam and also connect the dots. Um, stepping away from the computer, right, and being able to move your body has been shown to help your brain solve problems. So I try to make sure that that's an integral part of every day, getting a little bit of sunshine, of course, with sunscreen on. Um, and then, of course, built into my job is testing a whole bunch of fantastic beauty products. Yeah, which, great <laughs> excuse. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, I've got to spend an hour in the shower. Yeah. Not running the water the whole time, of course. Um, but it is work, but at the same time, yeah. it's very relaxing. So I'm lucky to be able to combine all of those things together. Absolutely. Not complaining. And I guess, Anna, similarly for you too, lots of product testing and development. But what do you do, you know, for yourself and for your employees? Do you have a, have a nod to your own well-being? Because after all, as a brand founder, you know, it's, it's a business asset, isn't it? Your own wellness is actually a really important part of running your, your team and your organisation. Yeah, I, I think I have to say that my own personal wellness is a, is a work in progress. The fact that it's a, <laughs> a family business definitely doesn't help because my co-founder being my brother means that we literally have no boundaries with regards to what we'll expect of each other. And that has been at times challenging. Um, and again, going back to the sorts of words that women in business are often described as, I am always described among family and friends as the tough one. So in a way, there's never really been a limit to how much will be asked of me because ultimately I'll always do it if it's in the best interests of the brand. And I'm learning. That's hard. <laughs> nearly nearly yeah, seven that's years hard in. to manage. You ha yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's Especially tough. when it's coming from your family. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's really difficult. And, you know, my brother is in a different phase of his life. He now has three children. He's married. He's only three years older than me, but I'm nowhere near that. And I don't have those sorts of responsibilities. So when the goings get tough, you know, I, I will step up and I will, and I have, you know, worked seven days back to back for, you know, months. Uh, however, you know, I, I always used to say to myself, oh, it's just starting a business. It will be like this for a few years and then it will get easier. And actually the reality is not that for us at all. It, it only gets more complicated and uh, in a way more stressful as not only do you 
just have yourself and your co-founder. I now have a team of 20 other people that we support and they all have their own individual needs. And I think I've learned perhaps in the last two years that I have to protect my own mental health and well-being before trying to protect, well, not before, but at least alongside <laughs> trying to protect all of theirs at the same time. Because again, going back to what Marcia was saying at the beginning, they're very modern in their approach to being employees, right? And, and their own boundaries. So perhaps I should uh, do the same. And so we've, we've got a lot better at, at uh, making sure that the things that we offer to our staff, we also offer to ourselves as well. And I think we are very flexible as employers. And I think we've always had a dynamic or a working environment whereby myself and William are very much a part of the team. You know, it's a complete open door policy. Everything's very informal and everything's very tailored to each individual within the team because we know how very different each person is, the ways in which they like to learn, the ways in which they like to work. Uh, the things that recharge one person's battery are the things that drain another person's battery. And so, yeah, sure, we do the traditional things like frequent employee surveys, uh, flexible working from home, all of the stuff that came along with COVID with regards to changing the landscape of work. Um, but then we've got silly little extra things like just a suggestion box that's there all the time where we've put so many things in place just from people posting a little post-it note in the suggestions box saying, I'd love it if I can bring my dog in. And we're like, yes, bring your dog in. <laughs> Let's have a, 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 a welcome dog day and all the rest of it. And I think that flexibility and that um, unwavering willingness that we have to listen to what our staff actually want has created the nice working environment that we have. And the average age of our team is 27. And we we love to go out and have fun and, and get to know each other as people. Uh, we'll, we'll continue to sort of see what that might look like as we grow from a brand of 20 people to a brand of 50 people uh, and perhaps bigger. But yeah, I, I think we're very good at listening and uh, essentially creating the working environment that I would have wanted, that I was the opposite of what I had in, in a corporate landscape. Marcia, you and I are both women in midlife, and this is often a time, actually, a demographic, when women tend to leave the workplace in droves. Are you seeing this? And for me personally, I think it's such a disaster because we have all this experience and knowledge. You know, do you, are you aware of that? And are you sort of trying to take steps to retain older women? Um, I think that most of my, I would say most of my staff is younger than I am. Um, we're not seeing my age of women leave, but I don't have that many people who are my age, in fact, within the business. So it's a tough one for me to say. Um, if I would think about just looking at colleagues or people that I've worked with for many, many years, and they really are coming into their own right now. And I think I'd agree with you, Liz, that it's um, a time when you've had so much experience, sorry, and you've seen so many patterns that you can be of such value to help people who perhaps haven't been there not spin a lot of wheels before they get to where they're going. Um, and it, it is a real shame if, if it's true that people are dipping out of the workforce at this time. It's sort of when their peak um, power would be able to be tapped into. What differences have you noticed personally as you've aged? I mean, you're hardly the type to become kind of invisible. You know, do you work on your image yeah. as, a, as a strong, <laughs> dynamic woman or is that just you? I have a feeling it might just be you. Oh, uh, you know, I, I mean, what did I read yesterday? Somebody saying that it's just polite to kind of 
try and look your best before you present yourself to the world. And I think Tom Ford said that once. I remember watching him do a keynote speech and he said, somebody asked him about how overgroomed he was and he said, I find that it's just actually polite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Love I would that. agree wholeheartedly that you just, you want to look pulled together. You want to feel pulled together. So yes, the older you get, the more time you have to spend um, whether it's on your skincare or making sure that your makeup looks kind of current or it's just more maintenance to keep it together, whether that's more exercise or more sunscreen or more facials or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I, I guess for me, the main difference is I certainly feel like I have been there and done that so many times. And I feel that I know what the answers are very quickly because I can see those patterns repeating themselves. And so the challenge, I guess, would be to bring team members along with me because I'm already there. So you then have to have the patience to, and again, what was it? The modern view of hierarchy. You then have to have the patience to <laughs> to bring those in your teams with the more modern idea of hierarchy along with you without any frustration or you know, you still have to convince people that you know what you're doing. And it isn't necessarily just because you're a woman. Um, so that can be a little bit more challenging simply because you think, you know what? I've been here for so long. I've been doing this for just such a long time. Just do it. I know it's just right. Just get on with it already. <laughs> <laughs> and what about hormonal health? Because, you know, we can't end really without touching on that. It does affect women in business. I mean, it affects women all over, obviously, as Absolutely. we age. You know, how have you managed your own hormones, for example, during work? Because, you know, when hormones decline, it's super stressful. And here you are building a great empire alongside. Absolutely. And I actually love homeopathy. So very early on, I got into quite a lot of homeopathy for for hormone balance. And I also find that if I exercise really regularly, it helps tremendously. So I have to almost exhaust myself and then I'm fine. Um, but if I don't go out in the morning or, you know, midday or, you know, after work and just do something completely exhausting for an hour, then I will feel very different in terms of mood. Well, Anna, you are probably way too young to be thinking about menopause in the workplace. Is this something that you've considered or is this kind of just way I'm going to park that for much further down the line? Oh, it's, it's interesting because uh, the oldest person in our team is in her 30s, closely followed by my brother, who is, what, 34? Uh, so again, we are a very young team. And so, to be honest, menopause is not something which I've got immediate plans for generally. It depends, of course, on who we hire in. Uh, But I am conscious that because 75% of my team is female, pregnancy and women choosing to have babies and things like that is a a more immediate thing that we will have to consider and support. And for me personally, I would love to think that that's on my horizon in perhaps the next two years. So I think, again, when it comes to what this looks like for the rest of my team and and, and their potential futures and plans and things like that, I, I just have to look at what it is that I would want. And uh, yes. my brother has three children under the age of four, and I look at the way in which his wife has been supported. And I look at, you know, I've spoken about how potentially tough it's been for me, uh, not having that many limits on the extent to which I have drive to, to push this brand forward. 
But at the point at which I choose to have babies, if that's something in my future, that will absolutely shift and and that will be a non-negotiable for me. And I imagine that that's the case for many other women. And so I just have to make sure that that's the approach that I want everyone in my team to to feel that they can have. And that flexibility, Mm. I suppose, to continue to work because the brand that we've built and the products that we make and the impact that we have, I am so proud of. And it's given me so much fulfillment in my life and a, such a sense of accomplishment. If I look back at the kind of person I was at uni, you know, cripplingly terrified of public speaking and, you know, I would... Well, yeah, a, a proportion of my degree was based on public speaking and, and yet I avoided those modules as much as I possibly could uh, because I just couldn't face it. And now, and now look at the contrast, uh, literally being paid yeah, to speak now and you're here. all over. <laughs> so I, um, yeah. I don't want to give up work in order to have children. I, I just want work to fit around that. So that's, I think, yeah, menopause uh, uh, will be one of those things where we will cross that bridge when we come to it and, of course, seek yeah. lots of advice and, and, and all of that. But I am very conscious of the fact that there are multiple people in my team who could be... Uh, in a, a similar stage as me in thinking of, of having children in the near future. So I just want that to be a, a very supportive. Well, that's great to hear. And, and actually, I think there is so much now, so much conversation around menopause. I remember talking to my girls about it. You know, Lily's 32, Brella's 22. And they said, listen, we are so on it. You know, the, the slightest hint of a drop of estrogen in our 40s. And we're going to be kind of right there because all that information <laughs> is out there. And I think to your point about having children and, and working alongside, I can only share my experience here as a mother of five, you know, when I started this our beauty company, gosh, more than 25 years ago, I had two small children and my business partner also had small children. And that was hugely helpful mm. because we were both at the same age and we both understood each other in terms of what was needed. Mm. And I think, you know, for you with your partner, with your brother, Will, having small children, you know, when that time comes for you, you Mm. will have such hopefully sort of shared sympathy. Mm. I think I always caution people who are going into business with people who are at very different life stages, Mm. because it's very hard, you know, to explain, actually, I can't make that board meeting because I've got sports day. Yeah. And, you know, if you've got somebody with you who goes, yeah, well, of course, of course you can't, of course you can't make it, we'll just rearrange it um you know it's really really helpful to have people alongside you who are on the same page mm. and it's brilliant that you're already factoring in all these extra things and I guess you know one of the the few good things about the pandemic is that we were all able to show that we could work successfully from home and be remote and be a little bit more flexible although I know that during lockdown it seemed to be that the women were still carrying on their jobs and all the childcare, mm. looking after the contents of the fridge at the same time <laughs> Yeah, my my partner also works works from home a hundred percent of the time, so that's going to be an interesting dynamic. Uh, because you know, mm. I, I've often thought, oh my God, am I going to be jealous? You're you're at home the whole time, and if we have children, yes. uh, that's for me. Who I I've, I've never taken a working from home day, but I know you know really? that, that would yeah. have to change. Uh, because, oh, my God, the envy. Uh, and again, William was uh, at swimming lessons in the middle of the day on Friday and all of that. And I spoke about how with a family business it can be difficult because there's there's no boundaries in terms of how much we'll mm. expect of each other. But also it goes the opposite way as well. And because I know that my brother's just had a newborn, I, I do babysitting for him. And it goes the other way as well in that we will endlessly support uh, the, the personal lives and the balance of that as well when the times 
uh, are right for that. So, yeah, it, it definitely swings both ways. So, Marcia, I have to ask you, you know, looking forward, how long are you going to be doing this? You know, I'm often asked, when am I going to retire? When am I going to stop my business? Do you ever get asked that? And do you have an answer? I usually get asked that by my children. <laughs> no, no one else asks that. But my kids are always like, you're never going to retire. Um, and I guess, you know, I love being part of something, right? I also love really growing something. Um, so I, I do really think that um, whatever I do, and if I think of sort of, if you call it the rat race, right, or having to be at a desk, it tunes me into the, I guess, the energy of the universe. And I don't mind working. I actually really love working. Maybe there would be a little bit more balance or maybe I would go into kind of, advising or mentoring a little bit more as I get older, I find it very difficult because I'm quite a hundred percent or nothing person. I'm not really somebody who can dip in and out and feel satisfied because I want to be able to see the advice that I give or whatever it is that I'm trying to grow actually come to fruition and do well. Um, and so it doesn't make me happy to kind of consult. That is, is not something I think that I'd be able to do. So I'll probably go another, I don't know, 10 years <laughs> and then ride off into the sunset on a giraffe like you. <laughs> There's a final thought here. You know, we are looking at International Women's Day and the development and encouragement of women. What advice would you have for, for women, young and midlife and older, you know, looking to build or scale a business? You know, do you have any kind of cautionary tales here or is it, you know, a question of follow your passion and just go for it? One thing I've always said is to not be afraid of not being an expert. I think it's a common trait in, in women to sort of second guess or overthink or think, oh, well, who am I? You know, imposter syndrome, all the rest of it. I was young and I didn't have beauty industry experience when I started my brand. I also am not a finance minded person. And yet I've created a very successful business. Uh, what I did know I had was a fantastic and unique idea uh, I'm very good on branding. I'm good at marketing. I'm good at warehouse. I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses, but I wasn't put off from doing what we've done because of my weaknesses. You just have to hire the right people into the right places in order to fill those gaps. And and I guess also, you know, if, if what you're doing really is forward thinking and innovative, then don't be put off by people telling you that it's too early or too out there. Uh, I think you've got to really be bold, particularly in the beauty industry. I mean, goodness, it's deeply competitive and there's no point doing what someone's already done. So be bold, have conviction. Some people will love it. Some people will hate it. But I'd rather have people love and hate my brand than people just kind of feel indifferent about it. Yeah, don't don't be put off by, by not knowing everything about everything because no one does. And don't be afraid of being unapologetically yourself and, and having a strong message. That is such a wonderful note to end on. Thank you so much. Really positive, Marcia, Anna. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Marcia and Anna, it was a real pleasure to chat and actually very cathartic to get to share all those wonderful experiences with each other and some memories too along the way. Well, if you've been thinking about your place in the working world as you move into your better half of life, you might want to listen back to our episodes with Anarchy Somerville from a couple of months ago. She had some really insightful thoughts about how our expectations change as we age 
but also about how the workplace needs to change around our wants and needs too. Oh, and if you'd prefer to listen back to Anarchy's episode, or any other episode for that matter, ad-free, you can now subscribe to the Lazar Wellbeing Show Plus on Apple Podcasts for a very small monthly fee, and you get a two-week free trial first. And once you're a subscriber, you also get 24-hour early access to those ad-free episodes as well. Well, as always, I would love to hear from you on social media. How will you be marking International Women's Day? I'd love to celebrate your achievements with you. However big or small, I am at Lizelle Me and the team are over on at Lizelle Wellbeing. Until the next time we chat here, go well. Bye-bye. The Lizelle Wellbeing Show is presented by me, Lizelle, and is produced by Anushka Tate for Fresh Air Production, with additional production support from Ellie Smith. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.